0: Hello, my name is Ned Suffern, and I'm bringing you this message from the Ministry of Redeemer Reform Presbyterian Church. May God bless you as you face the COVID-19 pandemic, which has led us to suspend services at Redeemer Reform Presbyterian. And wherever you are, and whatever situation you are in, as you get this message, let it be a word from God to you, as. God's word is read, and then I preach on Psalm 91. We care about you, we love you, and God loves you more than you would ever know. The word is found in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is the written and the inerrant word of God. Let us pray. O gracious God and most merciful Father, who has entrusted to us the rich and precious jewel of your holy word, assist us with your spirit, that it may be written in our hearts to our everlasting comfort, to reform us, to renew us according to your image, to build us up and to edify us, sanctifying us and increasing in us all heavenly virtues grant this, O Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. We come to worship the Lord today as families in our homes or as individuals in our homes because corporate worship has been canceled by the session to protect vulnerable people who worship with us from the COVID-19 virus and in our desire to help slow the spread of COVID-19 in our community, and in the nation as a whole. Our service is canceled, but we have not been canceled, as one leading evangelical pastor put it this past week. And our scripture today invites us first to glorify God, who he is and how that blesses us. Second, to recognize that God has not canceled his loving relationship with his people. And third, to see how treasured we are in times of trial. So first, speaking of God in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 1. If you dial 911 on your cell phone, the operator who picks up the phone may say, 911, what is your emergency? And the very fact that you're calling 911 indicates that you trust that operator to get you whatever kind of help you may need, whether it's a fire in your house, a sick family member struggling to breathe, or a prowler prowler looking in through your window. That would produce three different types of first responder dispatches, fire department, rescue squad, or police department. And we give thanks to God for those doctors, nurses, firemen, And policemen are on the front lines as they fight this pandemic. We're thankful for their service, including the service of Dr. Pillmer and Ken Burrow and Sharon Dykesorn and Joe Burrow working at Saratoga Hospital. We are thankful for their contributions. But focusing on this 911 operator, we talk to that person because we think they're going to make the right evaluation of your circumstance and that they will get you help. It's important for us to keep our eyes and hearts focused on God first of all. Even as we scurry and scamper around in our lives, making sure we have enough food in the house, making phone calls to the family, working at our day job in the office or at our home, this is one of those moments which preachers have been warning you about all your life that a day would come when you would stand in the middle of crisis and you should prepare now. And building a relationship with the Sovereign Lord in order to weather the storm then, when it came. Well, well that then is right now. And I believe that what we have been trained to do through the years as believers is to respond to challenge by looking to God in faith. The way you need to respond, the way I need to respond right now, is to gaze upon your God and to dwell in and be overshadowed by his excellencies. God is someone we can call out to in a 911 manner, as it says here in Psalm 911. I believe that the one on the other end of our call of prayer, the sovereign God, is able to make the right evaluation of our circumstances and get us all the help we need, even if it is hope unto eternal life. Psalm 91 begins using three powerful names, filling out our understanding of the names for the personal God whom the psalmist and we can claim. As it says in verse 2, my God in whom I will trust. Well, that God is defined. God is a rather a generic name in the Hebrew language, but before that in verses 1 and 2 are some specific names. Why can we trust this God? Why is it we can trust him in these uh, circumstances which are the greatest public health emergency in America since the 1918 flu? Why is it that we can trust him in the biggest economic downturn since the 2008 Great Recession? Why is it that we can trust him in one of the most emotionally and socially troubling events since 9-11? Some have said it's even worse than 9-11. And that we are urged by the president and everyone else not to congregate together. At least when the Twin Towers in New York City came down, we came together as a nation. We came together as church people. But now in some specific specific physical ways, it's difficult to come together. Well, the answer to that question, why we can trust him, my God, as he is one to help us through the fear of loss of life, who supplies our needs when we are concerned about an economic turntown, who comes close to us when we feel separated from people and emotional support, we can come trust him as, because he is revealed as the most high, verse one. He is elevated, lofty, supreme. And dwelling on high, yet he calls us to a secret place of the most high and has communion with us. When we don't have others near, we have him near. He condescends to call us to himself. In Japan, families typically have a private sitting room in their home with a window looking out on a beautiful garden where they invite those with whom they desire fellowship and lengthy conversation over tea. Well, there's another room, more like a waiting room near the front door, where you meet with unexpected visitors who are trying to sell you something or or seeking your signature on a governmental petition. Like I had somebody come by my house a week ago. Well, The Most High invites you into his private sitting home, sitting room, so that you can see the beauty of his character, the loveliness of what it means to know him. And he doesn't keep you in a waiting room. The Most High being in the whole universe is worthy of our praise, and he calls us close. He is most high in that he is sovereign from his throne, directing all events, even this COVID-19 pandemic, even though we don't understand the purpose or the gravity of it all. And yet this most high sovereign God invites us to a secret place of fellowship. And that happens as we read the word of God, as the Holy Spirit opens it to speak to us, and as we pray back to him, where we come to that place where we can ask him all our questions and yet yield humbly to his goodness, even when we don't always understand his sovereignty. But that's okay. We can trust him to do right. Genesis eighteen twenty five shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Make use of any time you have. Many of you are busier now than before. Some of you are less busy, but however much time you have, make time to have fellowship with God in the secret place of his sweet welcome to you, whom he knows as an adopted son or daughter. Read the word and pray to him in the secret place. And abide there, it says. That one shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, verse 1. When you're feeling bereft of friendship, workmates, fellow athletes, friends at school, the Lord wants you to abide with him, to stay there. And this Almighty One is the strong one it comes from the hebrew word shaddad, which means literally burly muscle man he's powerful he's impregnable able to lay waste to all enemies and you are invited to abide with this powerful god whom none can defeat and i invite you to welcome other believers into that conversation with god by calling them up on the phone you Many of you received a PDF file of our church directory attached to an email this past week. Use it this week. Talk to one another. Help one another emotionally. And then on the phone, share a moment before God where you abide before God in that secret place of the Almighty. God wants to address your need for community and closeness. He is close to you. And he invites you to reach out to members of the church and unbelievers to share with them God's revelation. Secondly, in light of the economic downturn, that's the second point now under the first point, we are faced with the need for refuge or more specifically a shelter in the storm. We need a safe place. That word in verse 2 that says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, could be understood as a shelter. It's, it's a place where you can get out of a rainstorm, like on a hike in the woods, a log kind of shelter, which we used to go to as our family hiked in uh, New England. It's sometimes very humble and common. It could be great and glorious, but it's wherever we can find food and water, clothing, a roof over our head. And this is a place where God is that refuge. He is that shelter. He is like an oasis in the wilderness. God provided shelter for Israel by being a shade over them in the blazing heat of the wilderness wanderings. He was a pillar of cloud by day, and he provided light at night as a pillar of fire, guiding and directing them all the way. In Exodus 13, 21 and 22, it says, a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. This shelter is the provision for people today. We're concerned for our economic well-being. Will we survive the recession that's Probably coming. Will we pay our bills individually and as a congregation? One member of our church was just laid off from their job on Thursday. And I am thankful that this member is trusting in the Lord to be their shelter. But for the unbeliever, there is no promise here. For that very same pillar of fire that was there for the Israelites as light was but cloud and darkness. For the Egyptians, as it says in Exodus fourteen twenty, come to Christ if you don't believe in him, that you may have light, not unbearable darkness in this time of trial. This is not a time that you want to prove you can go it alone. You need Christ. And that pillar of fire is a Christophany, a shining forth of Christ, who said to His disciples, I am the light of the world. Come to him in faith today. And furthermore, this uh, name Lord, which is given here, I will say the Lord speaks of the name that was given to Moses at the burning push. He is totally self-sufficient. He can take care of all of his needs and he has the cattle on a thousand hills. He will bring you what you need in your time of trial. And the third sub point under the first point of my sermon is that we need to have help with regard to the COVID 19 sickness itself. We need a safe place. The Lord is our fortress, it says in verse 2. Fortress is based on the Hebrew word matzud, it's a castle, it's a defense, it's a fort. And what this means in relation to the virus is not that we are invulnerable to it. We can catch it. We're as liable to catching it as anyone else. So be careful, please. But rather, the Lord is our fortress in regard to what happens afterward if we do catch it. We can be sure that the Lord will allow no disease to proceed further than his good and blessed will for our life. We are safe with him. He is the ultimate Quarantine safe place for our recovery. And we shall recovery recover from the virus or we shall die safe in the arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Come to Christ that if you die, you shall be found in him in the fortress of heaven, which is impregnable to sin and death. So in the middle of this crisis, look first to God, who he is, in his supremacy, in his might, in his sufficiency to face whatever you need to face. Second point, God has not canceled his people, verses 3 to 13. Sometimes we take the viewpoint that that God may be God, but, but this God has nothing to do with me. I'm on the outs with God, to use the common parlance If somebody cancels you, they disregard your viewpoints, they despise you, they want nothing to do with you, they don't want to even hear your voice anymore. And one of the phrases out there which basically writes off my whole generation is, okay, boomer, we know you're set financially, and we in the following generations don't want to hear any more about life from you. At one of our brigade meetings, I had fun with the boys who were throwing that phrase around. Okay, boomer, left and right. Must have been 50 times that evening. But being a good-hearted boomer who loves the boys, I tried not to take it personally. And for we who are sinners, this is what we might think has happened to us. God has canceled Gus. God is angry at me. Not only has the whole world entered into this COVID 19 pandemic, but if we're not careful, we take the threat personally as if we were in the bullseye and we can potentially get very depressed. But we see how the psalmist here in verses 3 through 13 brings home the truths of verses 1 and 2 and applies them to the reader in some beautiful poetry. As if to convince the reader, using the power of pictures to convey God's word, that this truth of God's care to you is real. I'm talking about you, he's saying here. Verse 3, you are to be delivered from the perilous pestilence. That one's relevant to our COVID-19 pandemic, for pestilence is another word for a plague. And yet the Lord promises us to cover us with his feathers. Verse 4, and personally, that we can take refuge under his wings. And then verse 7, this is a, a pestilence. That In verse 6, this is a pestilence that walks in the darkness. It gets spread around without people knowing it in the darkness. It gets spread by people who are carriers without being sick themselves. And it brings destruction at noonday, verse 6. At noonday, for all to see, it causes people to suffer and some to die in very public and much publicized ways. Remember that family in New Jersey. Did you hear about them? that lost four members in one family. Well, the Psalms, God says that this is something that we are not to be afraid of. Verse five, we are not to be afraid of the terror by night. Later God promises in verse seven A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. The Lord declares to you, verse ten, No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Verse eleven, for he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This True poetic language is meant to convince the reader of the major idea that God cares for his people. You have not been canceled. But it begs the question, what if we do get sick? What if we do fall in a battle? Does that mean God forgot his promises? There's two parts to the answer. Let's look at Jesus in relationship to the psalm. And then let us look at the devil's ultimate destiny in relation to this psalm, as we find it in verse 13. First, in relationship to Jesus. Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted and tied into the overall message of verse 3 through 13 Satan said, as recorded in Matthew 4, 6, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. That's a quotation of Psalm ninety one eleven, And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone, a quotation of ninety one twelve. So why did God inspire the psalm to be so written? Because as poetry, the poet Must make pictures of his thoughts. That's what drives them home to our heart. And we are to hold by faith, not to the things in the picture, but of the thought conveyed by the picture as a whole, the unfailing care of the Lord over his own. And in relationship to Jesus Christ, as Albertus Peters put it in a commentary quote, it was the devil's trick in the temptation of Jesus to seek to make Jesus take hold of one of the details of the psalm by itself, rather than to trust himself to the saving goodness of God on the whole, a saving goodness that brought Jesus forth from the dead on Resurrection Sunday, unquote. Jesus quoted back, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, and that means at least two things. First, don't deliberately place yourself in harm's way by jumping off the pinnacle of the temple, in Jesus' case, or in our case, by being careless about washing our hands and not caring about whether we're transmitting the virus if we face others and uh, have a careless sneeze. Don't tempt God. But even more fundamentally, it means... Do not demand presumptuously that no harm whatsoever can come to a believer. And if it does, that that harm somehow proves that God does not care for his people. Do not tempt the Lord your God by claiming that you are canceled. If evil befalls you in the next year, if you get sick, if you hit a hard time financially. Because ultimately... The unfailing care of God for his people is proven in Psalm ninety-one thirteen. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. This is a messianic claim that Jesus himself would trample upon the devil who is pictured in the Bible as the roaring lion and the serpent. At the cross, followed by the empty tomb, the seed of the woman Jesus crushed the head of the serpent as promised in Genesis 3.15. And so in Christ, we see Satan and sickness and death defeated. And he will care for us now. Psalm 37.25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. And he will care for us unto life eternal, even with we get sick unto death. The third point, verses 14 through 16, God has not canceled you. You who love the Lord are treasured and cared for. Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. You are set on high in a place of victory because you have known God's name. What's one of those names? The most high, verse one. We know his name. Yahweh, our refuge and shelter, who supplies our needs because he is, has no needs himself. He is a refuge, a shelter in the time of the economic storm we face. We know his name, Yahweh, the fortress, who keeps us in a safe castle with his powerful hands in the face of all illness and danger. We know his name, the Almighty, who is present with us close by us and who calls us to abide under his shadow. Jesus himself is with us by the mediation of his Holy Spirit in the secret place of the Most High. And even if trouble does come, and you see in verse 15 that the psalmist contemplates that trouble will come and will be with him in trouble. Well, the words of verses 3 through 13 don't magically deliver us out of the human race, out of the fallen human condition. We are susceptible to disease and illness in this age. And yet, he will be with us, and God says, I will deliver him and honor him. It says, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honor him, verse 15. And our deliverance shall be either deliverance from death by healing in this life or deliverance through death straight into the loving arms of our Savior, Jesus Christ. One of my friends a, a few weeks ago in the church told me that some people who do not trust in God, for some of them, they, they have no more hope in the presence of this COVID-19 disease than the hope of just one more day to live on planet Earth. and That is a sad place to be. If you are in that place, don't stay there. Put your trust in Christ. Confess your sin to him. Believe upon him for your salvation as he has paid the price for your sin at the cross. Put your trust in him the one who can be your shelter and the one who is your shelter if you trust in him. The one who died for sinners like you, the one who will lead you like the light of a fiery pillar or the light of a shining cloud all the way to glory. And that is where we end this song and end the sermon. It says, With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Yes, Eternal life is given to us now. A long life, yes, an eternal life that begins now and ends never, but continues into the new heaven and the new earth where we will be eternally satisfied in God. God has not canceled you, Boomer. God has not canceled you in the greatest generation or millennials or younger ones. I've lost track of the names. God has revealed his names to you and you are cared for completely. God has come close to you through the incarnation of Christ. And as he has been ascended to the right hand, you dwell in his shelter and his shadow. And you will walk to glory with the one who has raised you up. Even because on the third day he came out of the tomb and trampled underfoot all the works of the devil. Trust in Christ this day and dial 911 in your prayer life regularly. The one who answers already knows your emergency, but tell him all about it and he will send you the very help you need in time of trouble. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. And for such a savior as Jesus, we believe in him and we want to walk with him through this time of trial. Thank you for being almighty. Thank you, Lord, for being the most high, the Lord of all. We entrust ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.